Big Swinging Stocks acknowledges the traditional custodians of Australia's lands, skies and waterways and pays respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Folks, welcome back to Big Swinging Stocks. This week, we're back with another Invest Like a series because as humans, well, we're kind of all a bunch of voyeuristic little gremlins who love knowing what other people spend their money on. And while this series is all about digging into how people have created their wealth, it's not about copying their portfolios. And this week, we're investing like financial content creator and influencer Queenie Tan. Have you even been on the internet if you don't know Queenie Tan? With an audience of over 300,000 subscribers and millions of views on her wildly entertaining videos, she's been dubbed the internet's queen of frugal tips. Welcome to the show, Queenie. So lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on the pod. Oh, I'm delighted to have you here. We love digging into people's past and finding out what makes them tick. So I'm going to ask you, what's your first investing memory? Ooh, that's a really good question. Okay, so I have two memories that I'd like to share. So the first one is my actual first investment, which was in a robo-advisor. I was looking at what to invest in because I started doing some more research on growing my wealth. And what I realized was that having all my cash sitting in a bank account, if I am a long-term investor, maybe wasn't the right thing for me at the time. So I wanted to dip my toes in investing. So through my research, I figured that ETFs could be a good option for me, but I didn't know which ETF to pick. So instead of going and picking my own ETFs, what I did was I went to a robo-advisor, which basically you invest a sum of money and they invest it for you in ETFs. And you do usually have to pay a little bit more of a management fee because they are picking the ETFs for you. But as a beginner, I had no idea what else to invest in. So that's what I decided to go with. And yeah, so far so good. It was actually a really good first investment. But I also, on the flip side, wanted to mention another investment that I made as a beginner that same year. And I think that a lot of people would probably have a bit of a similar story to this. So this was back in 2017. I had just started hearing about crypto. And one of my friends told me at this bar, he goes, you know, I've been making so much money in crypto. And I was like, what is cryptocurrency? And he was like, oh, you know, like Bitcoin and stuff, but there are all these other coins. So after that hot tip from the friend at the bar, I decided that night to invest a bit of money in crypto. And it was a bit of a roller coaster because I ended up quadrupling my money within a couple of months. And I just thought, I was a genius. And then back around like 2017, 2018, I think there was massive like crypto crash and basically went from quadrupling my money to like going back down again, losing money. And it was just, it was a bit of a roller coaster. So that definitely taught me the risks of investing as well. Like with my ETF robo advisor investment, it was very stable, good first investment. Crypto, definitely a bit more risky. So I I definitely learned a lot about my risk appetite and just, you know, not to invest money that you're not prepared to lose, especially in speculative investments. So with that beautiful spectrum of risk and reward that you had, how do you feel your investing philosophy shakes up now? Why do you invest? 
I invest because financial freedom is really, really important to me. And I know that my future self will really thank me for investing. And I obviously do have an emergency fund in a high interest savings account, which is really, really good. If you're not sure what an emergency fund is, by the way, it's three to six months of living expenses saved in cash for a rainy day. And I'm sure we all have heard a lot about the tech layoffs and things like that. It's a good idea to have some money saved aside just in case something does happen and you know you can't earn an income at least you have that to rely on so I do have that but for my other money I do like to have investments because as we know inflation is a thing unfortunately so if I want my money to grow over time that's why I have some invested as well and I also think that having my money invested I don't know about you Alex but I feel like just having it in an account that is a lot more difficult to access than a bank account it means that I'm not really spending that money do you know what I mean because I feel like if it's in a bank account I'm just like okay I've got some cash there those shoes look pretty nice. Maybe it doesn't hurt to just spend that money on shoes. Whereas if it's invested, it's like I don't see it. It's like I don't have that money and I can live within my means a little bit more. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Inaccessibility is a powerful spending tool, I think. But I would love to understand what financial freedom means to you. Well, it means different things to different people. I'm so grateful and I I feel very grateful to be in a position where I'm not struggling with money anymore. And I think that when I first moved out of home, when I was a student, money was such a big thing to me and I felt very insecure about money because I didn't have a lot of it. So I feel like as I build my wealth, as I grow older, as I'm more comfortable with money, like my perception of what financial freedom means changes, but I see money as a tool to being able to travel, being able to have more freedom in my life, being able to also help people around me to be able to buy people gifts, to be able to spend a bit more money on things that actually mean something to me and also to employ people as well, which is pretty cool. Like I really do see money as a tool and it can really bring you not just safety and security, but it can really be anything that you want it to be, that there's so much good that you can do in the world with money. So yeah. I love that it boils down to choice and generosity for you. I think that's really beautiful. But tell us, you mentioned that you are investing your money, so like your long-term cash into investments. Tell us a little bit about the portfolio. What's it made up of? So I have a bit of a broad range of investments. We love diversity. (laughs) Yes, yes, of course. So the bulk of my investments are with ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds. It's basically like a basket of different shares. And I have a few different ETFs. So I have Australian ETFs, global ETFs. That's the bulk of my portfolio. I have an investment property. It's an apartment. So I have equity in that apartment and I'm renting it out. And I'm also renting as well. So the investment property, I have a few individual stocks as well, companies that I really believe in long-term. And I also have a bit of crypto as well. So still holding on to crypto 
even though we're in a bit of a bear market at the moment, it's only a small percentage of my portfolio, but I figured, yeah, it is pretty cool technology and I I do believe in it long term. What about you? What's in your portfolio? Probably about the same, actually, Queenie, like really similar, to be honest. We have identical portfolios. We both have an investment property. You did convert yours from your home to an investment property, which I didn't do. And we both have ETFs, both have a bit of crypto. I was going to ask you, because my crypto exposure has probably, it's gone down actually a lot now, but it's like less than 1% now of my total net worth. What about you? Oh, I haven't really run the numbers lately, but it used to be around like 5-10%. Now it's probably a lot less because obviously the crypto market's gone down a lot. It's not a very big percentage at all. No. And what is your total net worth? Let's get into the pervy numbers. Total net worth. Honestly, I have not calculated it lately, but it is combined over everything. I think I've calculated it maybe last month or the month before. It's over $500,000. Even with the dips in the share market, it would have been more by now because I have invested more. But with the dips in the share market, with the crypto market, it's around That's that. incredible, Queenie. I don't think a lot of people maybe know your age, but let's just add some context to that number. How old are you? I'm 26. Girl, that's phenom- half a million dollars Oh, thank you. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. So what about your most recent investment purchase? My most recent investment purchase is a bit more boring because I have a few ETFs in a portfolio and basically just dollar cost averaging into that portfolio. So when you think about your whole portfolio, what would you say is the most fun or the most, like what's brought you the most joy in investing? Oh, what has brought me the most joy? Okay. So this is definitely a splurge. But I'm really, really happy that I did it. So last year, I read this amazing book called Die With Zero. Have you read it before, Alex? I saw you raving about it online and it's honestly on my shelf over there. I just haven't had the time. So you're going to have to give me the Cliff Notes version. What's the book about? Yes, I'll give you the Cliff Notes. Well, I, like as a backstory, I've read so many personal finance books, like you name it, like personal finance books in the fire movement, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like all of the ones that everybody reads. And I read this book, Die With Zero, and I just loved it because it was very different to the traditional finance books. And what I loved about this book was that a lot of people talk about saving money and retirement and how if you save money here, then you'll have more money to retire with and it compounds. This book was a bit different because it also talks about basically the opportunity cost of money. So a lot of us know that, you know, if you have $10,000 today and you invest it in the share market, then it will equal like, I don't know, heaps of money by retirement. Let's say like 200 grand by retirement. We're all like, wow, that's crazy. But not a lot of people think about, obviously, as we age, our health declines. So $10,000 spent when you're young goes a lot further than $10,000 or even 20 or 30 or even 200K when you're not able-bodied, maybe when your health has declined. So I feel like you do need to have a bit of a balance when it comes to saving money, investing and enjoying life. And after reading this book, I was like, you know what, that is so true. There are some things that you can only really do and enjoy while you're young. 
And I actually went on this round the world trip with my partner and we had some money saved up over the past couple of years obviously not traveling because of COVID. And we really wanted to do this big trip because we had money saved and we were like, yeah, if we're only young ones, might as well like enjoy ourselves and have a nice trip, especially since we have worked so hard to build our wealth over time. And it was expensive, but it was such an amazing experience. And I feel like I really grew so much as a person after that experience. I got outside of my comfort zone a few times. I definitely still did worry about money on the trip because obviously I was traveling for three months and I was like, oh, will the money stretch this far? I set myself a daily budget. I was worried about it, but yeah, it was all fine at the end of the day. So I think that while investing, saving is important. It's also important to think about what you really want out of life when you're 80, 90 years old, touch wood, hopefully we all get to that age. And looking back on our life, what sort of things do you want to experience in your life? And make sure that you do set aside money for those things that are really important to you as well. That's a beautiful message. I think the internet loves extremes. So people have gone like the fully YOLO, I'm going to spend it while I'm young, who cares about tomorrow? And then people have gone, the some of the fire movement is like, it doesn't matter about the sacrifice today because I want to retire when I'm 60. But you're, that's such a beautiful sentiment. I love that that book resonated with you about, I guess, almost finding the middle point for you and what matters to you. And your trip was amazing. But it's hard to shake. Like, do you find yourself still, even now that you're comfortable, having to adjust the mindset of frugality and scarcity? Absolutely. I feel like frugality and scarcity, it's been ingrained in me from a very early age. And it's definitely taken me a while to get comfortable with spending money because I think at the end of the day, like you do really need to spend money in order to make money in order to invest like you do need to take like risks with money or obviously calculated risks and I think I was definitely on the more cautious side with money but I have been becoming a bit more open to spending money on things that bring me value so I still have a bit of a weird mindset with things like I feel like I always have to justify my expenses but it's definitely getting better because maybe before I would just flat out not buy things now if I buy something maybe expensive or maybe something in my mind that's a little bit more not a need but a want I'll justify it in my head like it's okay if I use it x many times maybe it's worth it or if it's able to earn me x much money more in my business or whatever then I justify it or you know if it's able to make me healthier or whatever I don't know do you find that as well like the scarcity frugality mindset I am probably a reformed spender but I think the common thread that both of us have is a real focus on intentionality of the purchase. And uh, both of us are huge believers in the buy once, buy well movement. I'm always so impressed when I see your very stylish outfit repeating because you buy really high quality clothes. Like I'm obsessed with your black ankle boots. Aww, They're so cute. <laughs> but I mean, you. it just shows like they always look new and it's a really nice ode to, yes, they might have been expensive, but you've used them a lot of times. Speaking of, obviously, this frugality has served you well. Half a million dollar net worth at your age, incredible achievement. You have your own business. It's doing phenomenally well. But I want to know about how close you are to financial freedom. So if you had to give it a percentage, where do you feel you are? How far do you have to go? 
That's a really tough question because can you ever say that you are 100% financially free? That's what I've been thinking about these days because I'm like, it's a bit of a spectrum because even if you do, let's say like you have $2 million or whatever it is in your portfolio and you're generating income and dividends, like you still kind of need to think about money. It's like, I don't know, it depends on what your definition of financial freedom. Is it like never having to worry about budgeting or money ever again? Or is it more just having freedom in your lifestyle? Because I feel like I have a lot of freedom in my lifestyle and I'm very content with where I'm at, especially I think one of the big things is having a business and being able to work on it full time. Although it is a bit stressful, I still definitely do need to budget for things and have emergency savings and think about money. But I still feel like I do have quite a bit of financial freedom because I get to choose what I work on. I'm able to take holidays when I want to and I am able to have the income to do the things that I want to do. So I don't know, percentage wise, I feel like it's the goalpost as well. It, it moves, Keep doesn't shifting. it? As well, yeah, it moves. Of course, absolutely. I don't know. What about you, Alex? Like, what's your take on it? It's a really good question. I really resonate with your value around financial freedom being choice. I think for me, I love the concreteness of being able to cover, have my passive income cover my bills. And the problem with that is that it's concrete, but it's shifting. Like if we have kids, it's going to be more expensive. And so I like that as an interim goal. I think I have two months of expenses covered now. But that's like bare bones. Like that's just me, bare bones. Like if we have, if we were to talk about a mortgage and then kids, of course it's going to balloon. But I don't know. I like that that gives me a real direction to head in. And like I prioritize income over growth actually because I have that intention around it being able to sustain itself as well. That is very interesting. And especially because the franking credit system that we have here it's pretty good. Beneficial. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. What would you say? What's had the biggest return for you? I mean, ETFs have been pretty like tried and true. I've been investing since 2016, around about then. And it's been pretty good, like consistent. I'm really happy with that investment and I really do enjoy it. And I'd also say property, like the apartment, it really has grown over the last couple of years, especially with property prices the way that they are. So I'm happy that I I did make that purchase. But it is interesting because I was thinking about this today, actually. And what I realized was that you can spend so much time thinking and analyzing things. And is this the best thing to buy? What's the best thing to buy? Is it this ETF, this property, this stock, this, you know, like you could spend so much time thinking But I think what counts is actually making that step and actually doing things. Because even if you make a mistake and you're like, oh, that was not the right thing that I should have done or, oh, I made that wrong decision, like at least 
you're making a decision because it's all well and good to think about things, but you don't actually know until you actually try things. So I'm super grateful, especially within my business as well. Recently moved into an office space, which is a bit stressful because I now have an extra cost that I didn't have before, hired someone part-time. It's a bit stressful because I'm like, oh, all these extra costs, but I'm just so grateful because I'm like doing something instead of just thinking about doing things. Like you've got to like, go ahead, do it. You know, if you need to pivot, change directions, at least you've already started, right? That's my mindset with it. I love that it's also not just your investments in equities, but also your investments in your business. But you're 25. You've been doing this since 2016. That's a decent, almost seven years now. If you were starting over at 20, would you do anything differently? I think that at the time I only really invested when I had a few thousand dollars to invest, like saved. And looking back now, I kind of wish I started, but with like $5 or something really small. So just dip my toes in because forgot exactly how much it was. It would have been one or $2,000 in the robo-advisor. Making that big investment was really stressful for me. And I was really, really stressed. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so much money. What if I lose it all? And I would have told myself back then, like $5, just go ahead, put in $5, see how it goes. You'll learn and you'll grow from that. So that's what I would do differently. What about you, Alex? I got asked this question the other week and I actually said nothing. I just don't think that we place enough value on the lessons we learn exactly as you say, by allowing ourselves to make mistakes. We're far less tolerant of mistakes around money because we're so loss averse than we are around mistakes around buying some clothes that we never wear or going on a holiday that maybe we didn't enjoy or felt pressured to do or like clubbing, going out with clubbing if you don't really care about doing that. So I think the lessons I've learned are really valuable. I love that. That's so good. So I saw in your email that like different investments that have paid off over time. And I think that this is a really relevant one just to mention, but equity in businesses. So I used to work for a startup and they gave me stock options in that startup as part of my package. And the startup recently sold for quite a lot of money. But going back in time, I wish that I negotiated more shares in my salary because I just took what they offered and I didn't negotiate it. And it's actually pretty crazy. Like thinking of what- How much you could have. Exactly. So I think if you're working in a job, if you have stock options, if you're working for a startup, definitely look at potentially renegotiating those stock options. It, It could really pay off in the future when the business or if the business sells. What are your thoughts on that compensation? We had a guest talk about like early stage startup, which is one of apparently the most tax effective share schemes, but even bonus share plans or employee share plans can be really lucrative in addition to your salary. Obviously you should understand the tax implications, but you're absolutely right. People leave a lot of money on the table without realizing it. Oh, I had no idea. I really had no idea. You mentioned your property. Congratulations on being a Sydney property owner. How has that performed since you bought it? Property is an interesting one because it really depends on where you buy your property and obviously the type of property that you buy. At the time, I 
did not have enough money to purchase a house in Sydney. They're very expensive. So we opted for an apartment. So my partner and I bought the apartment together. And at the time we bought it for around $500,000, put in a 20% deposit. And now it's worth about $650,000. And we also have a tenant in there as well. So apartments still do grow in value. I know that people say, a lot of people say they're bad investments. And I get it because... They're obviously building a lot more apartments every year, but if you buy in the right area and if it's something that's within your budget, I definitely don't regret that purchase because it was something that was within our budget at the time. And even with all of these mortgage rate increases, I still don't feel stretched on the budget because it was well within our budget. So just something to consider. That's phenomenal. I love that you mentioned it can be the right decision for you if it's within your budget and it satisfies the intention you had at the time, which was a home and it's grown, right? So yeah, works exactly. for you too. And I'm curious, how's your home buying journey as well going? Well, in an auction this weekend that went almost $400,000 over the price guide. So that was pretty disappointing, but we're still looking and we're looking at an apartment actually. So again, we're looking for a home somewhere we can have kids and we work from home. So it needs to be able to do both like work and life, but we're still looking and Sydney's hard, but we're really confident that we'll find the right place eventually. And interest rates have risen, but there's also a lot more demand in the market. So we're sort of battling that, which is why it makes me think if I could have just put my deposit into equities, I'd be living the high life now, but we unfortunately can't sleep under a share, unfortunately. So we keep on looking. Final question I'm going to ask you, which is what's something that you'd like to invest in this year? Oh, that is a good question. This year, I've made a conscious effort to invest more into my business because it's something that I really enjoy doing. I'm really grateful that I get to create content as a full-time job. So I just want to see where it goes, where it could potentially take me. I have a few ideas on potentially ways to grow it, an app idea as well. (laughs) So I'd like to try those things out because I think what I've realized over the past couple of years is obviously I'm still doing my regular investing in shares and ETFs, but I think it's really important to invest in yourself as well. And there's no one that that knows you better than yourself. So I really want to do that, especially while I'm young. I don't want to be like a 80, 90-year-old grandma looking back on my life thinking, why didn't I give that a go? Why didn't I do that? I think that a lot of us, and myself included, we can have limiting beliefs around what we can do in life and the things that we can achieve. And I just feel like it's important to just go after those crazy things. Even if it doesn't work out, at least you learn. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm investing more in this year. (laughs) message, Queenie. Well, folks, if you also want to chase your dreams, you can find Queenie at every major social media platform under Invest with Queenie and on her website, investwithqueenie.com. But thank thank you. you so much for joining us at Big Swinging Stocks this week. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. 
You do. And to our listeners, please make sure to like and subscribe and follow along on your favourite podcast channels and we'll see you next week. Sayonara. This podcast is brought to you by SelfWealth and operates under AFSL number 421789, as general advice only. Because we can't take into account your personal objectives or financial situation, you should seek independent professional financial advice before making any investment decision. For more information and our financial disclosure statement, check the show notes.